Friends, how are we? How are you? Who's we? Friends, how are we? Oh, I have no energy to re uh, record that, so let's just keep moving. Welcome to episode 390 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Chris. He's the father of a child with type 1 diabetes, and he does an absolutely marvelous job about discussing the subject. About discussing the subject? does an absolutely marvelous job discussing the subject, but this is what happens when you let me do this on a Monday morning. Anyway, don't let my marble mouth influence how you think the rest of the episode is going to be, because it's going to be absolutely spectacular. You understand? I think Chris very quietly does a job here today that he didn't realize he did. This is a very good episode. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump. You can go right now to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to get yourself a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your home. Do that now, and a pod experience kit will be waiting for you in the mailbox. After that, you can try it on and see what you think. The show is also sponsored today by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. And you're going to want to go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more about that amazing device. There are links in the show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com to these and all of the kind sponsors of the podcast. Now let's get to Chris. You ready? Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. I'm the husband to Amanda, stepdad of Alyssa, who's 19. Um, my daughter Emily is nine, and Cameron, who's our twelve-year-old, with type one. Okay, so you and your wife have three children together, and then you're the stepfather to one other. Is that right? So Alyssa's our oldest. She is my stepchild, and we have two others: Emily and Cameron. Two others. Sorry. Okay. Uh, three kids. Um, type one in the family at all? Not on my side. My my mom has type two. Um, that she developed way later years in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda's, my wife Amanda, her uncle has type 1. Uh, he had type 1 when he was uh, a little boy, or since he's been a little boy. Right. So there's a pretty clear line there. Was it one of those things that people expected, or not really? Not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we missed all, we missed every sign that was there. Um the way it kind of started was we we were sitting around the dinner table one night and uh, we looked at Cameron and said, "Wow, he's he's looking kind of slim. Maybe he's you know going through a growth spurt." Mm-hmm. And he was drinking a lot of water. And Amanda drinks a lot of water just because she's active. And we just thought maybe he was being a responsible kid. And um, he ended up losing. He had lost about ten pounds um, over the course of a month, wow. which we didn't learn. We didn't learn that till. Um, his diagnosis. Yeah. No, I mean, how would you, it's tough. How old was he? 
Uh, he was 11 at the time. So today is actually his one year diversary. So 325, 19 was when he was diagnosed. Oh, well, congratulations. A, a year is a big accomplishment. Good for you. It is. It's gone by quick. Oh, we just see how the rest of them go by. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Let, let, let's kind of jump off of that for a second. What is different today than, say, nine months ago? Uh, stress level. Stress level is uh, very much reduced. Do you think it's just the time that did that? Or like, what do you think got you to that spot? I think time. I think time was all of it, and I think it was it was getting comfortable with making decisions. It was getting comfortable that not every decision was going to um, end to a to a bitter consequence. Okay, so everything just felt dire in the beginning. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was I was absolutely frightened when it happened. Frightened that. In the short term, there'd be a problem. In the long term, can you kind of put into words what it was you were worried about? I just had no outlook, right? I was I was sitting here thinking that every every level of normal normalcy was going to be taken away from us. That you know he wasn't going to be able to do sports. Um, how are we going to get through injections and constant finger pokes right. and watching his diet? All of those things were just uh, huge concerns. I remember feeling like. There was a regular life that most people got and a messed up life that some unlucky people got and that we got that one, um, like in the very beginning and, and it, sort of from a, a youthful perspective, I guess that, you know, I always think of that old song, like, you know, what is it that at some point in the course, it's, I never promised you a rose garden, you know, whatever that is like, you know, right, right. but, but when you're young, you just sort of feel like, well, oh, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to learn something. I'll get a job. I'll meet a person, you know, maybe we'll buy a house or make a baby. And then, you know, the kid will go to school and I'll buy a couple of cars and save up a couple of bucks and I'll get old, look at a tree and drop dead. And that's how it's going to go. You, you know, like the, this kind of just kind of idyllic idea of what a long life looks like with a family. And then when you really start meeting other people and talking to other people and seeing what's happening to them, you recognize that that really nobody has that for the most part. You know, anybody who gets that is just, that's random. That's the, that's the random, right? The, uh, the nothing really went wrong the whole time. You know, that, that's the 1%, not the, not everybody else. So, you know, everybody gets a thing and, you know, Arden got diabetes and, you know, we just were like, all right, well, let's figure this out. But yeah, yeah. In, the, in the very beginning, I remember feeling like, oh, some people get a good life and some people don't, and we don't, you know? Well, and this was another step of uh, just tragic events somewhat to us, um, or life-changing events, I guess I should say. So um, Emily, who's nine, um, she had Wilms tumor when she was four months old, which is uh, a kidney cancer. So oh, wow. she, had to, she had to lose a kidney and um, go through 26 weeks of chemo. Um, she's all good now other than uh, not having one kidney. Right. And then Amanda, my wife had, uh, she had a, a brain tumor a couple years after that, which she's a hundred percent and great as well. But just, this was just another, uh, having Cameron have his diagnosis was just like, what's next. Yeah. I would imagine after those stories that it's hard not to like wake up in the morning and think like, is this the day my foot's just going to fall off? Uh, you know, yeah. like what crazy thing is going to happen? Wow. So your daughter, um, what was that called that with her kidney? 
Uh, it's called Wilms tumor, W I L M S Wilms tumor. And she was very young when she had it. She was four months old when uh, it was picked up on a wellness check and sent us straight to uh, children's, the, our local, one of our local children's hospitals for a, um, a scan. Wow. And is that something they, they couldn't remove that? So they just took the whole kidney? Yeah, it was attached to the kidney. So the only safe way to get rid of the tumor was just to take the kidney with it. Now, is she, does that make her, I don't know a lot about cancer, I guess, thankfully, but does that make her in, is she, do they consider that a cure? Is it remission? Like, how do they talk about it? Is there follow-up to it? Yeah, so um, they considered once she was five years um, free of it, she was in remission. So we would go back and, you know, initially after it happened, you'd go back every three months Mm -hmm. for a new scan and blood work, and then it would stretch out to six months. Then it would stretch out to a year. And then once she hit five years, it was officially you're in remission. You could come back, you know, um, every couple of years just to check in with us. I see. And that was it. And how old is she now? She's now nine. Nine. So this is, this is a long time ago. Do you still think about it? All the time. Yeah. I can't imagine that it would be, it just feels like it would be impossible to just forget. Yeah, yeah, it was that was tough, you know, and then uh, getting through that and then getting to getting to Amanda and, and her her brain tumor and getting through that. That was that was tough because I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm going to have to write, you know, uh, what could happen with this. Right. So uh, how old was your wife when that happened? You know, it was 2014. So uh, she's she's uh, 44 now. OK anything like that in her family, like this cancer run in her family? Um, not to my knowledge. Hmm. Um, interestingly enough, my mom, my mom's 80, I think she's 84 now. Yeah. And she had a brain tumor when I was a little kid. I mean, obviously there's no correlation between the two of them. I don't but, know, Chris, uh, maybe you give people brain tumors. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I don't think it is, so, but you're the only, you're the only thread I see between those two people, not knowing correct. much about your life. Um, sorry. I don't think most people would joke about brain tumors and I'm not joking about brain tumors. I'm, I'm literally calling you a mush is what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, once you, once you move past these things, you know, you, you definitely, and and Cameron's another sign of that. I mean, we've moved past and we're, uh, we're getting on with life. It's the only thing you can do, right? I mean, what do you you do? Yeah. What are you going to sit around and just wait for something bad to happen? You know, it's either going to, or it's not. And in between now and then or never are a lot of days that you get to enjoy. So, sure. you know, in your house, avoiding the coronavirus. <laughs> are yeah, you exactly? Are you sequestered? Um, yes, to You're- some extent. So I, we live in Washington state, okay. which, you know, this is kind of where it started. Uh, we live South of, of the Seattle area, about 50 miles. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm fortunate to work from home right now. Good. Um, kids are out of school. So we're, we're staying put as much as possible. Yeah. Are you, you, you making out? Okay. We're doing all right, actually so far. Yeah, we're doing okay. I mean, kids are doing great. I mean, you know, endless, uh, endless games of Fortnite for Cameron and, mm-hmm. um, Emily doing whatever she's doing. Plus mixing in some school stuff and some outside activity. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the, adu- the, the kids are definitely fair and better than the adults. Yeah. I, I, I feel that they, they stir, stir crazy. Well, they're not yeah. worried about paying bills. So correct. Yeah. Correct. They've got that. They've got that for them. My kids are on a uh, a personalized sleep schedule at this point. They just 
go to sleep when they want to get up when they want to, they're getting their work done at like odd, odd times of the day. I, yep. pa- I passed my son at midnight last night. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm getting a shower. I was like, yeah, this seems like the perfect time for that. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've, uh, you know, through all of this, I, I think I've, you know, it, I've kind of learned to stay away from the news as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't have the capacity to take all the, all the, all the bad stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of shelter away from that a little bit. Would it hit you hard if you, if you got a, a, a daily dose of what's happening do you think it would be overwhelming? I think so. Yeah. I, I think I get I I get more concerned, you know, after everything I, ever, that our family's been through. Of I get stuck in the what could possibly be next, yeah. and I I don't want to be there. Right, right, right. Well, I think the good news is is that if you're a, a healthy person, you know, you have a better chance of maintaining a healthy uh, situation. If you do get sick, you've got a better chance of overcoming that illness, and you know you're your, your son's doing great with his diabetes, right? Like you're, you're definitely one of those people I know, um, because you're communicative with me and, you know, from online, obviously. And I feel like I've watched you figure this out and stay focused on it in an impressive way. I know I've never said that to you. I would have no, um, I would have had no reason to have said that to you, but you're interested work. You work hard at understanding the diabetes. You don't, you're not not impacted by it, but you don't let it get you down, and you're always looking for more information. I think that's just a perfect way to be. So, yeah, and that's kind of how this all started. I mean, when 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 I talked to you the very first time, what I was ultimately looking for at that point was just I wanted to surround myself with, you know, people that had the the knowledge that could help us do this as best as we could. Yeah, and. Um, and that's why, you know, uh, Jenny Smith's in our life right now. I just, I, we had our, our, our monthly Skype meeting yesterday and, uh, she's gotten us to a good place and the, the, the juice box Facebook group has just been, I mean, I've, I've never been a part of a, a Facebook page that just had a group of people that just undeniably wanted to help each other. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing. I, I, you know, it's so funny. I don't usually record twice in a day, but I just finished with Jenny like an hour ago and that Facebook group came up and I told her how there's times I do my best to look at it and, you know, but it's not a, it's not a conduit directly to me. I just, I get in there as much as I can. And there are times I'll see something and I'll think, oh, this is the answer to that. And I'll go to type it and somebody already typed it out. And I'll just like, I'll just like, like it and like, you know, be like this, this is what I would have said. Uh, but I told her there's also times when I look and I think, oh, that's, that's more thoughtful than what I was going to say. And I just realized that I used to talk all the time about people come into the diabetes community, they learn what they learn, then they go back and live their lives, which is incredibly valuable. But it's also very cool to see a small band of a couple of thousand people um, stay back to say, you know what worked for me here, this, or you should consider that. And I should knock on nine pieces of wood, but never judgmental, not snarky. Nobody's, uh, you know, wants to like start a flame war. Like I've, I, I, I keep thinking like, this can't go on like this forever, but maybe it can, you know, maybe if you get the right people together and you're, and they're, you know, comfortable and then the new people come in who need information and feel like I'm in a place where there are people here who know better than me. I'm going to sit quiet and learn. 
maybe that's the right mix. And because yeah. do you agree? It's working like incredibly oh, well. I mean, I mean, boy, I, I really hope so. And, and I could, I could tell you that I was right about the time that Cameron was diagnosed. I was, I was just mentally burnt on social media and, and, you know, Facebook in particular. <laughs> and I was, I was, after Cameron's diagnosis, you know, you, you sit in the hospital for five days. I mean, he was in, uh, he was in DKA when we got there and we were in the ICU for three days. And I just, I just started doing research and, um, I reached out, uh, to a couple of things and I got these just all of a sudden I just getting these, these private messages from strangers mm -hmm. that were just offering help and assistance. And, you know, one of them had led me to you and, and hopefully I would have found, uh, the podcast anyway, but, um, just people just jumping in and, and wanting to do nothing, but, you know, share and not dictate, but share what had worked for them and, and things to go look into. I was just, and then find And then once you started that group, I'm, I'm just, I'm re-energized and, and, and there's some toxic groups out there too. I mean, I, I got into a, <laughs> some type of an online altercation on Facebook with, with on a, on a group that, that I won't say, but, um, she was chastising me because we were on a CGM so early. Um, she says, you know, you, you really need to be, you really need to learn diabetes for a year before you start getting on technology. Mm. And I was, I, I just, I, I couldn't fathom what she was trying to tell me because I understand I, I've been around people that had type one and I've seen their struggles of the constant finger pokings and, you know, the shots and the stresses of that. And I guess maybe we're, I don't know if there's a term for it, but we're maybe one of those, you know, new, new generation diabetics. Like Cameron's had one injection of insulin since he started on his, on his, on his pump, um, back in, uh, middle of May last yeah. year. He's only had one injection and he's scared. I mean, he doesn't want, he doesn't want to have a needle. He doesn't, he don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I guess the point of my story was, is that the, the podcast is absolutely refreshing and it's great. And I, I love the people that are over there and I love that they help out. Um, but like I said, there's just, there's some toxic groups out there that are just not, don't seem like they're given really good information. And I've, I've subsequently, you know, deleted myself for most of them. Yeah. It's tough when someone has come up through a generation of doing something and then the next, like you said, like a newer generation has different tools. They're having different outcomes. They're having different experiences. I always try to put myself in the shoes of the people who came before and think, would I sit there if I was them and think, well, these new people they're having like what, like they just, what they just put on a pump and a CGM, listen to a podcast and they have an A1C in the sixes. Like, that's not yeah. fair. I struggled forever. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and the, or the idea of like, you have to really live in the, you know, in the battle so you can understand it. I get the overall idea behind that, but that was something people used to say when pumps were available, but not CGMs. Right. Yeah. And so like, you really have to understand the ebbs and flows of how your blood sugar works. Okay. I don't know what that has to do with how I deliver my insulin, first of all. Um, but I do think it's, it's a reasonable statement, except it used to take years to learn. And now, you know, if you had a CGM on, you could probably figure it out in a week, you, you yeah. know, and, and that's, 
got to be hard to hear if you were one of the people who had to spend years because the tools and, and the direction were different. And having said that, Jenny and I just spoke at length about how most doctors are still teaching like it's 1986. So, you know, it, it's a very weird space. Um, you have to it, be careful it, where you get your information from, I guess. It's interesting you say that because, you know, we part of the, you know, being in the hospital for five days is you get a you get a diabetic educator that comes around and they really teach you the very basics of diabetes. Yeah. And if we left the hospital with the types of strategies that we were taught there and nothing against them, because I, I know that they see so many people and you can't not everybody can get the advanced course at that point. But if I was still invoking in those types of strategies that I was taught when we left the hospital, I don't even want to know where Cameron's A1C would be right now. I mean, he was he was 11.8 at diagnosis and he two weeks ago was 6.7. And mm. and I think with with a ton of improvement still available to us. It's ahead of you. There's a lot of good road ahead of you still. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and I don't I don't think that I don't think we'd be anywhere near a 6.7 using the strategies that we were taught in the hospital. I, so, yeah, I think it bears repeating that, you know, a year into Arden's diagnosis, I was uh, frequently crying in the shower and her A1C was closer to nine than it was to eight. And um, I did not know what I was doing. I constantly felt like I was killing her either today or, you know, tomorrow. And I was listening to what I was being told. And, yeah. and my daughter goes to a good hospital. You know what I mean? We're not we're not in the middle of Podunk somewhere, you know, hoping that the guy at the general store who was also the barber understands diabetes. It's uh I was at a real place and I was doing what best practices dictated, you know, fifteen yeah. years ago. Um I, yeah. I was telling Jenny, um, we went to our endo appointment and um our, our endo's great. She's absolutely fabulous and but she hadn't she she had nothing for us. I mean, she she didn't have any changes to recommend or anything. She, she thought we were doing great. Right. And, um, and we moved on. That's cool. So you're using, uh, Jenny now to fine tune. Is that which, cause six, seven is pretty great. So. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the challenges that I'm still struggling with is I think I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm sort of still in reactionary mode. Like mm. I don't, I don't dose off of any, history. I dose off of what, what somewhat feels right. I mean, there's some, there's some carb counting in there as well, but you know, I, I would say looking at Cameron's diet, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's less than, there's, there's less than a dozen meals that are on, on repeat. Um, I look at every, I look at those meals and I basically dose them based upon what, what feels right at that time. Yeah. And sometimes I'm right. And sometimes I'm not, but, um, you know, we have to, there's, there's an occasional bump and nudge that has to happen, or there's an occasional, uh, tent basil that has to, that has to be adjusted. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's what, we, what I could get a little bit better at. And that's kind of what I needed Jenny for was I needed Jenny for advice on how to manage Cameron's blood sugars and, and just really having somebody that could be there to look at the data and say, and, and just be another set of eyes because for a while there, and I, I think I messaged you a while ago when I was struggling and it was, I feel like I'm just, and I think this is, this was an episode earlier on. I, I feel like I'm like this plane just flying over, dropping insulin on Cameron with no regard to what it's doing to him. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I couldn't figure it out. And yeah. once I got the basil right, and that was 
that was the biggest thing. And I've heard you say this, and I've heard Jenny say it so so many times. You got to get the basil right. And once Jenny helped us get that basil right, that's when things really started to click for us. And Cameron's A1C went from I think he was seven four, um, right before we started with Jenny, and then he went to six point seven on this last one. And I think that you know Jenny and I are going to keep working together, but I think we're gonna we're gonna continue to improve. I have to tell you that in the episodes, I can I can obviously see how many times episodes are downloaded, and in the pro tip episodes. The one they they're all pretty close to downloads, you know what I mean. So, you know, the first one and the third one, you know, have about as many downloads as the tenth one and the fifteenth one in the pro tips. But the one episode that has less, and it's measurable, is the basal episode. And I'm at the point where I want to run around with a bullhorn, like yelling at people, like you you gotta listen to me. It's the basal <laughs> insulin. Like stop ignoring that it's it's everyone treats it like like it's just not important do do you know what i mean like it's 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 the whole thing nothing works without basil no one believes that and i wonder how do they make it that far with that feeling like is everybody is it all reactionary in a way that well listen when i miss a bolus at a meal i see my blood sugar go way up but i don't think like is it the difference between micro and macro like is that why jenny's helpful even like because while you're so busy like just drilling down on the small things jenny's able to step back and see the big picture and then talk you through the big picture i think that's it i think that while you're in the fight you know what i mean like while you're in the foxhole you're worried about getting shot not worried about the geopolitical ramifications of the war you're fighting, I, I guess is the way to think about it. Um, yeah. In a way that nobody will relate to. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but seriously, like you're so busy in the fight, you can't see the war, I guess. I, I think we, I just got tunnel visioned and I felt like I wasn't making any improvement mm-hmm. because it was just constantly, and it was, it was, just, it was all about the basil. It was because the basil wasn't right. And nothing that I did would produce good results because because we didn't have the basil where we right. should have. But you heard me say that on the podcast, and it still didn't. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it on my own. You I mean, couldn't find the basil. I couldn't find it on my own. Okay. And once Jenny gave me the basis from it, and and I've probably created two or three more basil programs. And the other thing I've learned is it's 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 not every day is not the same. There are adjustments that yep. got to be made. I mean, this morning I was looking at, you know, Cameron woke up at, he woke up at one thirty-one, and I was like, yeah, I think I can make an adjustment because what Jenny saw yesterday when she looked at Cameron's data was there's a certain point in time, somewhere around 4 AM that he starts this just kind of slow drift up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I go back and look at the data. I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's make a, let's make a small adjustment here and we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. And if that doesn't work, then we go back and make another adjustment. Good for you. So it, it, it absolutely, I, I needed someone. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it by myself anymore. I just got to a point where I needed that extra set of eyes to, to point out the obvious, which yeah. was the basil. Right. Now I know I, I, uh, I was giving a talk recently and I just stood up and I was like, listen, guys, I could just tell you it's timing and amount. Okay. I'll see you later. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, but that's, but what's the rest of it? And I think even when people hear timing and amount, they think 
bolusing, but it's the basil needs to be timed and well measured as well. It's, you know, so uh, I'm helping Arden's friend right now and we, you'll hear, she's going to do an episode. You'll hear what happened to her, but she had a significant improvement quickly and then got yelled at by her doctor. And that scared her mom who rechanged her settings and her blood sugars went right back to the way they were. And, and, you know, when I finally, cause I was following her CGM, I let them go for a while. They're not my family. I'm not in charge, you know, but I finally texted and I was like, listen, you know, if you want the success you were having, you got to go back to this. And these three basal rates you suddenly have that I, I can't make any sense of when I'm looking at them seem like they're set up to keep her higher, not lower. And so let's go back to one basal rate and start over again. And, yeah. you know, we did that and took us two days. And I just looked at, I literally, while you were talking, you made me think of her. I just looked at her 12 hour graph um, and we're good. I mean, it's amazing. But yeah, you know, again, when you're, that's me looking from the outside, it's not them because they were trying, they weren't not trying at home. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, just, it's super important. We got a long way to go. We, we, you know, we got a long way to go because I want Cameron to be at that place where, you know, he's, he's comfortable, um, with doing sports and activities. So yeah. there's still a lot, there's still a lot for us to learn. Um, his school time is, is one that's been challenging for us. And it was interesting cause there was a, there was someone that had posted something in the, in the podcast, uh, Facebook chat and Cameron, his blood sugar goes up as soon as school starts. And yeah. as soon as school gets out at two o'clock. He plummets mm -hmm. and it's those stress. are those. Yep. Stress. Yeah. So those are areas where we're, we're still working on trying to, trying to figure that out. Yep. So Jenny's, Jenny's going to help us some more with that. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, sports has been canceled. I really need a Jenny for that as well. Um, football was getting ready to start for Cameron. And um, we, last year he did all of his sports. He did, uh, he did baseball, he did football. Um, and we were able to manage through those. Um, but we needed a little bit more help. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I I'll tell you that since, you know, we've all been locked in our houses now. Um, hold on one second. I'm going to tell Arden to bolus, even though this thing doesn't want anything. Arden's blood sugar has required significantly less insulin since she's not going to school. Arden gets good grades. She's reasonably popular. She has friends. There's nothing about school that is uh, a burden to her other than she doesn't particularly like it. And she's using significantly less insulin now that she's not in school. So that sounds very similar to what's going on here too. Yeah. It just, it, it could very well be for a lot of people. Um, and I don't think it's something you would think about, you know, I've been, uh, I've been filling pods um, with probably, 20 or 30 less units the last two weeks. Well, wow. it's significant. I had to move Arden's basil down. I had to move, I had to move a lot of settings and, you know, take, take insulin away. And it took me a day and a half to figure it out because I went the wrong way at one point, <clears throat> excuse me. And I had to, uh, I did dial something back again, but you know, it didn't, it didn't take long. And I, and yeah. that, that's something that's interesting. I hear you actually in a half an hour of, made me proud of the podcast and made me feel bad, not on purpose, but let me, let me tell you why, because I know the answers are in the podcast, 
but I can't be there with each person to say, hey, that thing you're hearing, that's not the right, you're taking the wrong thing from it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really wish, I really wish everybody could like, you know, as I'm helping Arden's friend or making an adjustment to Arden's thing or listening to Jenny talk to you, like every person with diabetes deserves a day and a half with a person who can just look at their data and go, Hey, this is this move this here. This is why, um, nobody deserves to like struggle along like this. And I, I, it it makes me, uh, makes me a little sad that, I mean, that's reality, I guess right now. Um, Yeah. And, and we're absolutely fortunate. I mean, I'll be straight up honest financially. It's okay for us to use Jenny. Um, insurance won't, insurance won't pay for it unless I can get the endo to say that it's required. Right. But I'm not ready to go there yet. So I'm going to do it as long as we possibly can. I'm going to learn as much as we can and keep moving forward. Um, I think, I think everyone should leave the hospital with a CGM and they should leave the hospital with a prescription to, to go listen to, uh, to some podcasts. I got a beautiful note from a, a CDE last night from Australia. And she said that she teaches from the podcast uh, every day. Every day she talks to people. She talks to them about the stuff that she learned listening to the podcast. So, and that's I'm, really I'm cool. a few. I'm a few episodes behind. Um, uh, I think it was uh, do hard things. I think that one took a toll on me. So I slowed you down a little bit. It slowed me down a little bit. So I gotta. I gotta catch up. A long time ago, when I was a young boy, my parents bought me a remote-controlled car. Now, this was in the 80s, so technology was, you know, dicey. This car had a controller, and the controller had a long wire. It was wired to the car, so as the car moved, I had to walk with it. So was it remote-controlled? Not really. It was controlled, I guess, remotely from the car, but, you know, not didn't give me any real freedom to take that car out for a ride and really see what it could do. That is sort of how I think of the Omnipod. It's a tubeless insulin pump, and because there's no tubing, the pump, the site that is on the body, is not connected back to a controller. You see what I'm saying? So you can go run free, live your life, jump over hills made of dirt. This is how I imagined I was going to use my car. Uh, until it ran up the hill and then flew into the air and the wire ran out of, you know, slack and it just yanked and came back. But that won't happen with you if you try the Omnipod because it's not attached to a controller. This is very, very, very important. It's also important because you can keep it on while you're swimming, taking a shower, activities, all places where tubed insulin pumps often require removal. And you need that insulin 24-7, not just when it's convenient. You can try this for yourself because Omnipod will send you a absolutely free, zero obligation. Do you hear my voice? Obligation. It's an absolutely free, no obligation demo of the pod today. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to have that sent to you right now. No obligation. Doesn't cost you anything. You can't go wrong in this scenario. Let them send it to you figure out if you like it. It's that easy. And do you know what else is easy? Hmm? Did you see that coming? I bet you did. The bolus that Arden just made for macaroni and cheese for her lunch. I know most of you hear macaroni and cheese and think 
Uh, no, I can't do that. I've tried, and that makes blood sugars 400, and it stays like that for hours, and it's just impossible. Except Arden's blood sugar is 119. It actually started at 140. She got a little rise. We're not sure for what. Dexcom said, beep, beep. We put in some insulin. The 140 started to come down. As it began to move, it wasn't even falling yet. She said, I'm going to have macaroni and cheese. So we made macaroni and cheese. We pre-bolused for it. We were properly aggressive with the insulin. Able to wait until it was time to eat, meaning I was able to balance the action of the insulin with the impact of the carbs because I could see Arden's blood sugar on her Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. I was able to make an accurate bolus for a food that most of you think is almost impossible to bolus for. But it isn't. Not when you can see the data. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a G6 right away as soon as possible. Have macaroni and cheese again without a blood sugar that ruins your day and makes you feel like, let's be honest, makes you feel like crap. There are links to all of the sponsors in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. But you're looking for myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to get that free no obligation demo today and dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to start with the G6. The results had in these examples belong to us and yours may, of course, vary. But I like your chances much better with rock solid technology than I do without it. Okay, we're going to get back to Chris now. It's a lot still to come. I, I thought one thing that would be interesting to share, and I think this is, you know, the 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 missed signs, um, you know, kind of Cameron's story of of how this went. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was drinking lots of water. Um, he looked like he was slimming out. Um, we went. He went to a baseball game. Uh, my daughter's boyfriend had a baseball game, and and then they decided to go to dinner afterwards. And Cameron decided he wasn't hungry. And, um, so he didn't eat dinner that night. The okay. next day I had him, uh, we were going to, um, Supercross and Cameron was so excited to go to Supercross and he just, he looked tired. He just didn't look like himself. And we got on the train, um, we got to Supercross and we had to walk from the train to the stadium and we had to stop multiple times cause he had, to, he was trying to catch his breath Yeah, and I couldn't figure out why he was exhausted. And we went in, we kind of did the whole little, you know, walk through the pits thing. And, and, um, you know, Cameron's at, he's a huge football fan. And, and one of the, one of the, uh, writers pits was Marshawn Lynch and Cameron, you know, he, Cameron just adores Marshawn Lynch and he wasn't even excited, mm. wasn't even excited that he was there. And I have a photo of Cameron, um, that I took and he doesn't even just, I don't know if you could tell in someone's face that they don't look right, but you could tell in his face that he didn't look right going back and looking at those, those photos now. Yeah. And we got done with our pit walk and the race was getting ready to start. So we went and sat down, we watched the first race and we had a conversation. He wanted a snack and he wanted like some type of ice cream. And, and then a minute later he said that he didn't want it. And then a minute after that, he said, Hey, I think I want some ice cream. And I said, Cameron, do you remember the conversation we just had? And he just kind of looked at me and he said, no, I don't remember. Yeah. And 
he had water with him and he said that water was tasting funny. And I said, okay. And he said, can I, can I have a soda? And I, I said, sure. We don't, we don't drink a lot of soda in our family. So, you know, we, we walked up the stairs and bought him a soda. We went back and sat down and then he said he needed to go to the bathroom and we were one race into this. And, and I said, Cameron, are you okay? And he says, no, he said, I'm just, I'm really just not feeling good. And I said, well, let's, let's get out of here. And he says, no, I feel bad. I know you wanted to come and I wanted to be here. I, I, I feel bad. And I says, no, I said, we're, we're getting out of here. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we went to the train, walked back to the train, same thing, just exhausted. Um, you know, he had to stop a couple times. We got on the train and, you know, I had the, the big plastic, uh, you know, clear stadium bag that you take in that they require you to take. And I started emptying it and I put it on my lap because Cameron says, hey, dad, I don't, I don't think I'm going to say much on the way home. And I know what that meant. That meant, hey, my stomach doesn't feel good. I'm going to focus and try not to get sick. Yeah. So I took that bag out and I'm like, all right, just in case the inevitable happens, right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be somewhat prepared for this. And we're halfway back you know, to the parking garage from the train station or on the train. And, uh, he just unloads and, you know, I catch as much as I can and kind of inconspicuously clean up as much as I can. And, um, we get off the train and I tell the, I tell the, uh, security guy, I say, Hey, you know, my, my son got sick and he threw up on the train. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. It happens all the time. <laughs> so I got Cameron cleaned up. We got him in the car and, you know, he slept the whole way home. Um, you know, it was, it was late when we got home, he went to sleep checked on him in the morning when he woke up and said, Hey, how are you feeling, bud? He said, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. He said, can I have some toast? And I said, sure. So I made him some toast. He laid around most of the day, um, just not feeling good. And then, you know, a little bit after lunch, I said, Hey, you know, what's hurting? What are you, what are you feeling? And he said his lower right hand side, his lower right side of his stomach was hurting. And, you know, first thing I thought is, you know, maybe, maybe appendicitis. Mm-hmm. So we ran him over to the urgent care and, you know, I told the urgent care, Cameron, you know, as a, as a younger child, he had, he had some constipation issues and he said, you know, I don't, the urgent care doctor says, I don't think that's it. He said, and I'm going to do a couple other tests. So he, he did a couple stretches with him and said, you know, I, I can't really rule out appendicitis. He said, but I can't do anything about that here. You got to take him to the children's hospital. Yeah. So I called Amanda and I said, you know, Hey, we're going to the children's hospital. So we go there and, you know, we sit for a few hours and wait, finally they get us back there. And, you know, um, the doctor comes in looks at, looks him over and, um, says, well, I think we're going to do an x-ray. So does an x-ray and determines that, yep, sure enough, you know, Cameron's, Cameron's, uh, backed up. So they do, you know, they do their wonders and, and, you know, by that time it's like, you know, it's nine o'clock at night and, you know, Cameron's not having any, I mean, we're laughing about it cause he's, you know, he's got to keep getting up and going to the bathroom and he just, he doesn't want, he, he's, he doesn't think any of this is funny. Right. And, um, no blood test. Right. And what I've learned from this, just all you needed was the simple blood test. Yeah. So we, uh, were discharged from the hospital and he's exhausted. We're driving home and we get into bed probably a little bit after midnight, 4am comes around and, you know, I watched him, you know, I'd wake up every, it felt like I'd wake up every 20 minutes and I'd look at him just to make sure he was all right. Yeah. And I'd see he's breathing super fast and it gets to about 4am and he wakes up. And, um, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm okay. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And, um, he had climbed into bed with me and Amanda went and slept with Emily and he came back and I said, I said, are you all right? He said, yeah, I'm okay. He said, can I have some water? I said, sure. So I went and got him some water. And then, um, about 10 minutes later, 
he he was having he, he said he couldn't breathe and he was having just tremendous pain in his stomach and i i looked at amanda and i said you know we got two options here we'd throw him back in the car and run him back to the er or we call 911 and he he just said dad i can't breathe and so i said that's it i'm i'm calling 911 yeah. so waited you know waited a couple minutes for them to show up and they came in and checked him over his heart rate was at 180 beats per minute they said he was getting 100% oxygen but he just kept saying he couldn't he couldn't breathe mm-hmm. and uh so they called the children's hospital right then and they said, you need to bring them in. So they said, do you want to take them or do you want us to take them? I said, well, why don't you guys take them? You'll probably get the, the fast track in. So they said, well, can you, can you pick him up and carry him out? I said, sure. And when I picked him up, Scott, I could not believe how easy he was. I, I either had superhuman strength at that point or this kid was, I mean, he was super light Yeah. and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why. So, um, they got him in the hospital. Amanda, um, went, with Cameron in the ambulance and um I met them there. As soon as we got out, wheeled down the uh the corridor there and the emer- the different emergency room doctor comes out and says, um, is he diabetic? And I and we said, No, not that we're aware of. And she said, He's presenting signs like he's diabetic. And she says, I have a test that will prove it. And we're looking at each other and I'm like, there's no way this kid's diabetic. Right. And she comes back and says that his uh, his blood sugar is 640. And um, then at some point, I don't remember if it was at that point, but down the line, they determined that he was, you know, he was in DKA. So, you know, talk about, you know, missing the signs. Right. We we missed all of them. I yeah. Mean, I'm wearing I'm wearing a juice box sweatshirt right now. And on the back of it has all the signs that we missed. And that was where the the. The rough start hap- the rough part came in for us is we just we went into this level of guilt like oh my gosh we we missed this right how did how did we put him in jeopardy and we had wondered how long I mean we go back and thinking that how long had this possibly been going on but there were little signs where he would eat and he would get sick and and uh, just wondering if maybe this this had gone on for some period of time yeah I think and, you're, uh, I think you're telling a story that a lot of people can relate to it, it really is. It's how I felt. It's how Kelly felt. Like, how did we not see this? You know, Arden was all but dead by the time we got her to a hospital. Um, yeah. You know, it just, it in in hindsight, everything makes sense. You know, like. It's just, it just, it's just it, that blood test. Just that blood test. That's yeah. all we needed right. the night before. Yeah. And they sent him home. And if you wouldn't have, if you would have taken what they said to heart and just been like, look, it's okay. Or maybe if he doesn't say, I can't breathe. Maybe you, maybe you can continue to persist with, oh, it's all right. You know, it's going to be fine. You know what I'm interested in at any time in this process? Did your thoughts get really dark? Did you think, God, he has cancer too? Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, um, when we got the diagnosis that he was diabetic, I was relieved. Yeah. Thought maybe you might be. Yeah. Well, I was, I was relieved uh, thinking about, you know, Emily and, and, you know, he had had previous stomach issues. I'm like, you know, just... Does he have something more serious going on? Yeah. And I was relieved that he had, di- I mean, who could say they're, they're relieved that their son's diabetic, but at that moment in time, I was relieved that we knew what was going on with him mm. because for the previous couple of days, I was like, what's going on with my little boy here? Yeah. Right. No kidding. Arden could barely, like she couldn't even like shuffle along by the end. She just, you know, we'd stand her up and she just stood there. Yeah. How old she was, she was a couple years old. She was two years and a few weeks. 
And you know, you find it would have been what is was it hard to see this? I mean, do you think it would have been harder to see the signs in an infant or a younger? Yeah, it's insane because now I look at the pictures of her and I during that time, and I think who in their right mind doesn't look at this kid and go, "Hey, that kid's got to go to the hospital." You know, like yeah. just it's she was I I described her before she was like a she was like a you know a heroin chic model. She was like you could see her ribs and she was just. She had clearly lost weight. Now, on a 19-pound frame, she had lost, you know, a couple of pounds. Um, but yeah. it's a, it was a lot on her. Um, you know, like vacant eyes, um, you know, peeing constantly for no reason. It's just bizarre how, again, micro and macro, right? Like, when you're in the fight, you don't think diabetes. Like, you don't think that. You think, why is my kid thirsty? Why, yep. you know, why are they peeing a lot? Like nobody, and nobody sits you down when you have a baby and goes, hey, by the way, here are the side, you know, here are the things to look for, for all the possibilities that could happen to you while you're raising this kid. Um, but that those things don't seem dire enough to do something about to a lot of people is telling. And that you can get to a hospital or a doctor and they still not figure it out. That's ridiculous. You, you know what I mean? What, why, what, I mean, I don't understand why regular, the regular blood testing isn't part of, you know, just checkups with kiddos. I think I, you know, Adam Nadelman was on the show a couple days ago or last week now, and he, he was nice enough to come on and explain the coronavirus to us, but he's, he's my kid's pediatrician too. And he'll describe you. I'll ask him next time he's on to describe his job, but you know, his job is to, uh, you know, look at what's happening and say, oh, okay, I've been seeing this in the community right now. Those symptoms normally point to this, and that's how we'll we'll move forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, you yeah. know, it, that's that's how it's done. That's what being a doctor is. You know, it's not. We all watch Doctor House at some point, so you think like, you know, that you say, hey, my kid's peeing a lot, and you know, some genius like snaps in and is like, oh, you know what that could be? It's it's not how it goes. And and because the DKA progresses so quickly at that point, you don't have a lot of time to figure it out. You know, yeah, the, the, the hardest part, um, you know, Amanda and I, one night we, you know, it was, it was really, it was late, really late or really early in the morning. I can't remember what it was in the hospital. And then I remember we just, you know, we had this big bawling cry fest over this. And that was the last time that we ever, I feel like that was the last time we were ever sad about Cameron having diabetes. Mm -hmm. And then we just moved forward after that. Yeah. But the hardest part was him laying in, in the hospital bed and all he wanted was something to drink or something to eat. And Hey buddy, maybe tomorrow. Right. And I had to do that for two days, maybe tomorrow. Because while they were bringing was, his blood sugar down. Yeah. While they were bringing his blood sugar down and trying to, you know, clear that clear his DKA out. Yeah. And, uh, that was tough. And then, you know, somewhere around third day, um, you know, they were able to get him up and, uh, he was having a hard time walking and we never figured out why he had to go to physical therapy for a, a period of time after he left because he looked like he was walking on invisible high heels. And we don't know if that had something to do with the diabetes diagnosis or if it was, you know, from laying in a bed for multiple days. Um, but he, he struggled with that. Um, and then, you know, we went home and everyone, everyone in the car had tears in their eyes when we left the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe except for me. Cause I was trying to be the, you know, the tough dad at that point. Right. Yeah. But I think there was some, there was some genuine fear about what is life at home going to be like with diabetes. Mm. And we got home and we unsettled 
and you know we were inundated with these books and these charts and i don't think we made it two hours before we called the hospital line and said hey we don't know what to do here right and we just continued to move through a couple days got better um you know cameron went back to you know playing video games online with his friends he missed his spring break last year with all of this going on and then um you know we we started before we left the hospital we started looking into the technology and um one thing that was nice about the hospitals and in the packet that we got from the the educators was uh it was a dexcom um pamphlet and it basically you fill it out and you hand it to them and they send it to a rep and they figure out how to get you on a CGM. And the next week, and this happened by mistake because they didn't even pre-authorize it with our insurance. But the day, the, the next week after we came home from the hospital, this box shows up that we didn't ask for. And it was a G6 and it was the receiver for the G6 and, you know, all the parts that we needed. And we, um, we called the, uh, we into this office and they couldn't get us in for a little bit. So we, we waited. I think it was, it was three weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, it was three weeks to a month before we got them on the CGM. And while the meantime that was going on, I was already trying to get an insulin pump going. Um, we did pump trials and uh, we did the, the first trial we did was a, was an Omnipod dash. And then the next one was going to be uh, one of the tube pumps. And Cameron's like, nope, not doing it. Yeah. He said, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to have tubes. So um, we proceeded with the dash. Um, we uh, we ended up having to fight for it. And this is my other message to everyone, too. I see all these people online that that say, you know, we can't get dash. And maybe I'm fortunate, but I just got to the right people at my insurance company and just said, look, this thing, he, he wears this thing for three days and, he, and it gets thrown away and he puts on a new one. I, I don't understand how that could be considered as a durable medical equipment, right? It needs to go as prescription. And luckily I got to the right people and they, my insurance company wrote an override to their policy. And, and we now, we now have dash. We've had dash since, uh, middle of May last year. There's a, it's interesting because another insurance company would see it the exact opposite way. They'd be like, that's durable medical. That can't be pharmacy. It's just ridiculous. Um, and then the companies have to fight through that mess and then when people can't get them, they're like, it's the company's fault. And you're like, well, you know, they're working within the system and the system is bipolar. Do you know what I mean? Like one, one yeah. minute it wants one thing and, you know, go to another company it wants another thing. So, and I think that's my message too, is, you know, the, the pump companies are doing everything they can through the channels, but sometimes it just takes you to be, you know, uh, diligent and try to get to the right people and try to, you know, really explain fight. what you, what, what you need. And, and that's just that's what this was really all about. This is you know part of why I reached out to you early on after I learned is just I wanted to, I wanted to to provide the best I could for Cameron, yeah. And I wanted him to have the best the best things that he that he could have. And, um, you know I I can't wait for the next piece of technology. Um, I think any any type of uh, looping situation would be very helpful for for our situation with school time and, and just everything in general. Yeah. I mean, I know it'll never be just plug and play, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for what's in store mm-hmm. for him to make his life easier. Do you think that you, would you, you're using dash now, would you go to horizon when it comes out <laughs> this, the day that we can? Oh, gotcha. Okay. So you're up for all that. 
Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, I've watched with some of the other. I, I've watched some successes that that people are having on other systems, and you know, I I uh, I listen to. I've, I've listened to all the loop episodes, and mm-hmm. I even considered at one point about um, trying to go back to the older pods um, and trying to loop. Right. I just I, I couldn't I couldn't get my head wrapped around it, and it seemed like just a lot of extra stress that I I didn't feel like I could afford. So sounds like you're doing really well. That's what I wanted to ask you too. Is that you know you told a you know a really great story about about being diagnosed and and all that, but a year later here on his first you know, anniversary of his, of his diagnosis. Yeah. How's he doing? He's doing great. And, and, you know, and I think, I think this is, you know, one of the challenges that, um, some face is I I've seen, you know, his, in one of his school nurses was, she was absolutely condescending to us because we hadn't released him to do all of his own work, right. Do all of his own blood checks, mm-hmm. uh, administer all of his own insulin. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that this kid's 11 years old. Right. He 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 gets he has to do this the rest of his life. If I have to be the person to make the decisions right now, then I'm okay with that. And and honestly, Scott, he 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 knows how to he has a device that he checks his blood sugar with when he needs to. Yeah. Um, Cameron's a type of, of, of child that he's. If he had to do it, he could do it, but he doesn't do his dex changes and he doesn't do his pod changes. Could I tr- teach him to do it? Sure, I could. But I'm somewhat of a little bit of a. I don't know. I, I kind of want to hold on to that responsibility of, of um, I have to take, you know, I want to take care of him and I want to help him out. I want him to learn and we express to him how important it is. But at the same time, I don't, I don't want to feel, I don't make myself feel bad because he can't do it all on his own. And I refuse to let other people make me feel bad for that too. Um, Cameron wants to be as normal as possible. He, he doesn't, he didn't go back to school and he didn't announce that he has type one, um, it may be irresponsible. He didn't tell his coaches that he has type one because we have control. Um, he is under control. We are with him all the time. We don't leave him at football practice. He, he has this fear of not wanting, he wants to be like everyone else. And there's been a couple of times at school where, um, you know, he's had a pot alert and he's had a Dexcom low go off or, or a high alert go off. And he's mortified when that happens because he, he doesn't want the extra attention. He has a plan that, you know, he can take his phone out and he can do whatever he needs to do during his school day. He won't do it. Um, I bought him an Apple watch so that he could see his blood sugar. So he didn't have to take his phone out to look at it. He Uh just wants to be like everyone else. He doesn't want to be singled out. Do you think that that's uh, sustainable forever? Or do you think he's going to have to get a little more comfortable with people seeing? And I don't know that have to is the right word. Like maybe he never will. I listen, I've, over the years, I've seen Cole play with three or four kids who have type one diabetes, and I can tell no one knows. Like yeah. I, I pick it up because I'm watching what's going on. But I, I'll say to Cole, I'm like, you know that kid's got diabetes, right? He's like, yeah, I saw him uh, do something, and I knew. He goes, I don't think anybody else knows, and he's never said it to anybody. Yeah, and, and he's like, so I don't even, I don't even talk to him about it. But I, but that's, you know, Cole doesn't have diabetes, but he's grown up here. And he's like, I can see it, but it's kept very, very quiet. And he's like, there's, he's like, I saw this one kid check his blood sugar once. And he's like, dad, he's playing with like a 220 blood sugar. And um, I'm like, yeah, he's probably afraid it's going to get low and he's keeping it high. And that even made my son like sad. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's like, he doesn't need to do that. Right. And I was like, he doesn't, but he probably doesn't know how. And, you know, 
we eventually went out to dinner with that kid and his family. And I spent like three hours in a restaurant explaining everything to him. But he, we approached him like he never would have, you know, he wasn't, he was, he was going along with it. So like, there's part of me that 100% understands exactly where you're coming from. Um, And as an observer, I wonder how sustainable it is over a lifetime. But I also don't think that it'll stay that way. I think that as, as time passes and as your son has more experiences, you know, one day he's going to have to do something in public and nothing's going to go wrong from that. And he'll be like, oh, all right, that wasn't too bad. But, yeah. And, and I would say he he doesn't he he's not afraid like he'll go out and, you know, rock his CGM on his, you know, on the back of his arm in the middle of summer. He, yeah, that doesn't bother him at all. Um, he'll test his blood sugar if he needs to. That's that's not it. There's just that there's that little piece of him from being around civil uh, or being around friends that. He just hasn't reached that level of comfort yet. And, and will yeah. he get there? Sure, he will. As he, as he gets more confident with his type one, he will. I think he just – he doesn't want to be perceived as different than everyone else. And in this and, moment, there's no need for him to feel that way. And exactly. So, and so I – like so what you're doing is perfect. I mean, listen, Arden can swap her CGM and her uh, pump all by herself. She doesn't need anybody's help. Um, but still, when she does it, she's like, hey, you want to help me with this? Because – you know, she's 15 and what the hell, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a great thing to have to do. And it's nice that somebody has your back while you're doing it. It's not, you yeah. know, and if I'm, and, and if someone's not around, she just does it herself. It's not a, it's not a, it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't change my pump because no one's here. You, you know, um, it, it, I just think that there doesn't need to be a rush to one million percent independence that that's my take yeah. and you know I, I i've i've seen you know both our both sides of the argument you know one side is you gotta you gotta make it theirs and you gotta make it make it theirs right now um and i just i i i haven't gotten there i don't know why it can't be a blend i don't know why everything in life is a zero sum proposition yeah. like everybody does that it's always this or that no one yeah. ever says oh, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Not so bad. You know, like we do it in sports and our politics, the way we talk about our kids with diabetes, the way everyone wants everything to be a zero sum policy. And that just is, it's lazy, really. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's nuance, like there's nothing wrong with living in the nuance a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, we're just, we're trying to keep life as normal as we can. Right. And yeah. maybe it's our, maybe it's our new normal, but you know, uh, life for him is, is life for him is, um, not much different than what yeah. it was before. Yeah. Other than you got to check your blood sugar every once in a while, you may have to go drink half a juice box or eat four gummy bears to keep your blood sugar up to an elevated level. Um, or you gotta, you gotta raise your basil up for an hour or you, you need a, right. you know, you need a, you need a correction, but for the most part, it's it's pretty normal. Yeah. No, I I I think that uh, I think it sounds like you guys are well on your way to something great. So I, I I couldn't find fault with what you're doing. I think it's uh I think it's personal, and I think it's uh you you know your son and you know yourself, and you know as long as you're not playing scared, I think you're good. You know. Yeah, and I and and I think that's you know that's where our um that's where our gratefulness is to you is you know you you gave us that um you gave us that mentality to not be scared, right? Or gave us the courage to not be scared. You're not going to get it right every time. And 
sometimes you just you you have to deal with what's put in front of you and that's maybe given uh you you overcorrected and maybe you got to give a little bit of juice or you got to you got to have a a free snack to get back back in range i appreciate that you said that thank you and i and i think one of the biggest things that that i have learned is my gosh lows lows for us lows are better than highs because when he gets high and he gets stuck i mean and you're sitting there and, and every you're you're laying in bed and he's He's in the two hundreds and every, you just, you keep giving him, you know, you, you, you extend his, or, uh, you, you run his basil up and you give him a correction when you can, and you just sit there and you look at it and it just doesn't move. It's so frustrating over, Hey man, you got to go eat four gummy bears or you got to have a couple smarties or you got to drink half a juice box. I, I would much rather be in that, that position. Although, I don't really love the low alarms going off in the middle of the night because sometimes that just scares the heck out of me. But, <laughs> but uh, I just said to Arden last night, I was like, "Listen, she so she had spent the better part of a day. She's got her period right now, and usually during her period she runs like fine, but she's been a little off for this period of time, right? And yeah. so we had her basil really jacked up to keep her at like one ninety, and as we got it to start coming down. I said, okay, we, you know, we've broken whatever dam has been holding us back here. And I said, there's going to be a moment where you're going to need to eat something. So I sent her a text and I was like, listen, if you have a small snack right now, it's going to stop you from getting low. And she didn't respond right away. And I just responded to her and I said, listen, if you don't do this now, later, you're going to have to eat more than you want to. I was like, so at 104 diagonal down, coming down from a 190 that's been stuck like that for, you know, a, a day. I, I'm like, this is it right here. Like right here, like do it right this second. And I recognize that that sucks. Do you know what I mean? But yep. it's going to happen anyway. It's going to, it's just going to be, it's going to be 20 minutes later and you're going to be 65 and then you're going to have to eat and you're going to get a little lower and then it's going to come back. I'm like, why not just, just do it now? Like be ahead of it a little bit. And she, she actually like, stopped what she was doing and came down and I was like, Oh wow, that might've made sense to her, but I'm probably going to have to say that to her a million more times before it becomes part of how she thinks. Cause she's 15 and she's a kid and yep, she's learning, you know? Yep. So. And, and we had, we had one the other night where um, we couldn't, you know, Cameron was staying like 190. He was just stuck at 190. He would not move. Hmm. And um, I decided and this is the second time I've done this. I waited a little longer than I should have. And I just changed his pod. I just abandoned that spot where it was. Yeah. Changed his pod, ran his basil. We always run his basil up. As soon as we change his pod, we do 95% for an hour is kind of our, always our rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ran at 95%. I gave him a correction and he went, he, he dropped pretty darn fast. And it was, um, it was good. And we caught it yeah. and uh, we didn't, we didn't run him back up, but that was uh, that was one thing I've learned too is don't don't sit on it and just wait for it to get better. If it's not getting better, just change it out. Yeah, you gotta do something. Now I just uh, did that with Arden's friend yesterday. I was like, I know your pump's good for like ten more hours. I was like, but I think if you blo- if you just dump it right now, I yep. think you're gonna be okay. And sure enough, an hour later, she was back to where she wanted to be, and yep. uh, she just wasn't quite getting her insulin the way she needed to. You know, in the in the 70th, you know, hour or whatever it was of, you know, the time it had been on. So it's just, you know, it's all about insulin. I I, I say it a lot. I try to say it a lot. When your pump 
site isn't acting the way you expect it to, you know, you can, you can hang on a little bit, but once it's proven to you that this is the best it can do, now you have to make a decision. You know what I mean? Like um, this site's not working the way I want it to anymore. What am I going to do next? And I always think of that as when the insulin stops reacting the way I know it should, then I start becoming suspect about that. Yeah. And those are, those are things that you only learn with confidence or you only learn with time. You know, um, we're still, we're learning lessons all the time. You know, we, we've had a, we've had a, a, a Dexcom issue the last couple of days. And, um, we, I did what she told me to do. I just, I just, I calibrated it a few times and it it settled down. Yeah. You beat it into submission. Did you? Uh, somewhat. Yes. The one before that, we couldn't beat that one into submission, but we did beat this one into submission. And, and in, and in, in fairness to Dexcom and Omnipod, I mean, they have been so good to us. I mean, I, yeah. I read these, I read these things online about people saying, you know, how horrible their customer service is. I, Scott, I haven't had one bad experience and I've, I've called in a dozen pods. I've, we've had, you know, plenty of CGM errors, not yeah. plenty. I mean, we've had, we always get 10 days. And, um, we've, we've had reasonably good luck. We've, we've had a couple issues, but mm-hmm. every time, I mean, yesterday there was a box that showed up that they overnighted us two new, uh, sensors because we were having an issue Yeah. and Omnipod has been nothing but great. I, I have nothing but good things to say about these people. They've just been nothing but fabulous to us. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I, especially now, right now, while companies are moving their customer service back to people's houses, basically, I like how someone's like, I held forever today. And I'm like, yeah, did you hear about the quarantine? Like, yeah. what what do you expect that, that you know, a company's like a magic entity? And, and you, you know, somebody will jump up and be like, well, they should be prepared for this. I'm like, come on. You know, what do you mean? <laughs> like, like, I should have a, I should have a perfect uh, uh, contingency plan for the, for the moment where the whole world has to go home and stay there. Like, no one thought that was going to happen, you know? And now yeah. it happened, and I bet you... Next time there'll be a plan, you know, so no one's perfect. Yeah, it was, it was an hour and f- I think, uh, you know, I, I knew it was going to be a long wait yeah. and I expected that. So I, I called Dexcom and I put it on speakerphone. I went about my business for yeah. an hour, and 40 minutes and the lady got on the phone and, you know, she apologized for the wait. I said, it's fine. You know, I mean, I expected that. Listen, I'm going to make, but, a, I'll make a criticism of Dexcom right now. And I hope they listen to it. You guys have made a couple of bucks over the years. I'd like to see some more money put into that hold music. How's that? <laughs> I can I could sing that little tune in my head. I'll be able to sing that tune, uh, and I don't spend time on. It's just it's been for a decade now. It's that same little rhythm. Like, like somebody just sink a couple bucks into changing the music up. I I really appreciate it. That's my hey, that, that, there's mine. If that's if that's not if that's not bad enough, Cameron's Endo's uh, hold music is the exact same. <laughs> and uh, when I was on the phone with Dexcom on hold the other day, Cameron's like, "You got to turn that off, Dad. That music is horrible." It really is. I mean, honestly, I'm sure they're not thinking of it. You know what? I'll tell you what. You want to know what a good company Dexcom is? Hold on a second. I am going to pull up an email here that I just got from Rick Doubleday the other day. Do you remember Rick came on the show? Oh, yeah. And um, we were just talking about things that were going on. While I was talking to him, I told him that I was uh, in the middle of, um, you know, I I got the phone call from Dexcom about our reorder. And the guy told me that, um, uh, you know, after a benefits investigation, Arden stuff would come out. And I stopped at the end of the call and told the guy, hey, investigations, it's like a, it's a too harsh of a word. I'm like, there's a better word. You should, you know, you should, you know. Find a better way to say that. Now, okay, 
I told that guy, I'm, he has no power. He's the customer service guy. But, you know, I happened to be, you know, interviewing Rick the, a few days later and I mentioned it to him. And I don't know, like there's sometimes I say things and I'm like, no one's listening to me. You know what I mean? Like I'm just talking out loud. But literally two weeks after I interviewed Rick, I got this note from him. It says, and it's a personal conversation, but I don't think he'd mind. It just says, Scott, I hope all is well. Uh, I don't have an update on this other thing you asked about, but I did want to let you know that we took your comments to heart on the term benefits investigation. We've updated the language to benefits update. It tested really well with customers. I appreciate the heads up. Rick Doubleday. And so, you know, he could have, I mean, he could have yesed me to death and gotten off the phone, but he's like, all right, somebody's saying something. It's a person, you know, um, I trust and, and that makes sense to me. And then they did something about it. And it probably didn't take that much effort to do something about it. But there are a lot of places who would have been like, yeah, 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 whatever. And, you know, just let it be. Um, so now when somebody's called, they won't be told that their benefits are being investigated, which can, I'm not a real, uh, I don't know what the word is. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a soft person. Like a lot doesn't impact me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't hear things. I'm not always running around, you know, virtue signaling and telling people you shouldn't be doing that. That doesn't sound right. I don't feel that way, but I, I heard benefits investigation. I thought, Hmm, it seems like you're looking into whether or not I've done something wrong or not. And, um, and that's it. So now it's benefits updates. The next time somebody tells you they have a benefits update, that's because, uh, you know, somebody was paying attention to how you feel. And I think they don't just pay attention to me. I think they pay attention to a lot of their customers. So I think feedback feedback's good. I think they do. I mean, look at the look at the outage and how they responded to that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a site now where you can go to literally track how Dexcoms what what their status is, right? Yeah. Um, which was not something that it that existed until until somebody said to them, Hey, it would have been nice to, you know, to know how things were going. And they boom. They fixed it. The, the one thing that's really for us, the CGM, at least it, it, it's been so important. I mean, the last we've had some issues the last, I'd say, three weeks, maybe um, off and on. And we've also had some good success, too. But the one thing I've learned is when that CGM is not is not working right, mm -hmm. you learn how important that CGM is. I mean, yeah, that information it is, so, is, it is so darn important. helpful. I mean, take away anything we have. Don't take our CGM. Right. Yeah. Nah. Although Cameron probably wouldn't say that because I don't know he would like the insulin injections, but, uh, that CGM's really been important to us. No, I agree. All right. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you doing this. I know we had to put this off once and I appreciate you being flexible about it. Thank you. Um, no, we, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, can't underemphasize how important that, uh, that everything that we've learned has been to us. I appreciate we really, that. we really appreciate it. I it's, it really is my pleasure. I'll, uh, I'll, I will, uh, not be humble for a second. That's probably making people laugh, but, uh, I, um, I really do appreciate you saying that. And it, it means a lot to me that the podcast, uh, struck you, uh, and your family the way I intended. So I'm, I'm just very glad for you that it did. Yeah, no, we appreciate it a lot. I think, uh, without the podcast, we wouldn't be where we were. We wouldn't have found Jenny. I mean, maybe we would, but it would have, it wouldn't have come. Let's easy. just say, Chris, I fixed it for you and it wasn't going to work out the other way. I don't know why we're being so kind to other <laughs> opportunities and possibilities that we don't know existed or not. Clearly I'm the best person. Like, let's just say that. I think it's, it's easier that way. I, I will, I will not fight you on it. <laughs> Uh, if anybody wants to leave an episode, or, no, I won't say that, or I'll, I'm going to get a bunch of other people. But I would like a, a review that just says Scott's the best. 
Yeah. It'll make me I haven't even asked you yet. I don't think you even, I don't, I don't think I got, got you to say the word at all during this podcast. Delightful. It's water. Water. Oh, oh. Um, well, I do have, I have a bottle of water right in front of me and I know that's not how everyone says it. And, uh, you know, you all enjoyed those Rocky movies. So leave us alone. Okay. It, uh, it's how we talk here. I don't know what to tell you. I'll tell you what I do hear a lot from is people on the West coast who used to live on the East coast that say that listening to the podcast makes them feel at home because of my atrocious grammar and other uh, problems with speaking. It, it, it is true, by the way, the the West Coast, especially California and and right up into Oregon, Washington State, all in there, you really don't have an accent. It's just, it's, it's you know, it's the language sort of the way it's meant. You know what I mean? Meant, meant to yeah. be. We've all bastardized it by being around for so long. But um you know, listen, you just, your coast isn't close to where people came in from Europe. So, <laughs> you know, you got a, that whole 3000 some mile trip that, uh, that blended out a lot of people by the time they got to California. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully at some point we'll all be traveling again and, uh, it'd be great if we could get you out this way to, you know, that'd teach be, some, teach some more, some of the things that we've learned. That'd be very cool. I hope so too. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All right, Chris, yeah. thanks so much. Hey, huge thank you to Chris for coming on the podcast and sharing the story that his family is experiencing with type 1 diabetes. Thanks also to Dexcom, makers of the G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. And of course, the Omnipod, the tubeless insulin pump that my daughter has been wearing since she was four years old. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Links in your show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Hey, why not even hit up the other sponsors? T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Touchedbytype1.org. Gvoglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Support the sponsors. Support the show. During the episode, Chris mentioned the Facebook group. That's right there on Facebook, which makes total sense. That's where you would put a Facebook group. You're going to want to search for Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. It's a private group. You'll have to answer a couple of brief questions about yourself just to make sure you're a real person. And then you can get in there and start having the experiences that Chris spoke about. Do you have a great diabetes practitioner or are you looking for one? You should check out juiceboxdocs.com. And when you get there, you're going to find a list of great doctors that have been submitted by listeners like you. You have a great doctor, go to that same link, juiceboxdocs.com, and send it in to me. I'd love to add it. I'd love to add your great experience to the list so other people can find those experiences. And of course, if you're looking for those diabetes pro tip episodes, they begin at episode 210 in your podcast app. But if it's too far to scroll back, go to diabetesprotip.com to get a feeling for what episodes you're looking for. It's also a great way to share the pro tips with other people. Thank you so much for listening. I genuinely appreciate your time. I'll be back soon with another episode.